Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We're a church in the great city of San Francisco, and our heart is that everyone would experience true sanctuary in Jesus. This week on the podcast, we have a guest speaker and a one-off message, Uh, and my hope is that this would encourage you and equip you, and really, we're just so honored that you would listen in. So, here it is. Uh, San Francisco is a really special place to my wife and I. Uh, as cliche as it sounds, we fell in love here. And uh, we did, it's true. We dropped a close friend off at the airport. Uh, that close friend, actually, I had dated for a time. And it was Tiffany's best friend. If we're going to get in that. Let's be honest. I know we're at church, but let's be honest. I had dated Tiffany's close friend for a long time. We dropped her off to leave uh, for a bit, and then we stayed in San Francisco together for a week, and it was... Not Yeah. Yeah. We stayed together in the most holy way here in San Francisco for a week, and uh, so we we love this place, um, and we're connected to this uh, not just because we love San Francisco, um, but because we love the Atkins and uh, Tom and and Josie Shaw had it on their hearts to start a church in San Francisco, and there's really. We, we love this place, but more than we love this place, we love the people that are here, and that's what has us connected um, to the work uh, going on. So uh, if you have a, a Bible, or if you don't, there's one under your seat. Uh, would you open to, it's page 186, and we're looking at the 15th um, chapter of, of John. And there might be times during the sermon where I invite Tiffany to kind of bring some color commentary. I'll march us through the text, um, but I'd I'd love it if she would fill in some blanks and bring uh, her perspective to things. What we're looking at when we look at John 15 is a massive transition. Jesus, who has been with his disciples for three years, is handing off the company biz. And this is their final kind of board meeting. And there is a massive transition at hand. And uh, I know that one of the things that's so different about your city than the valley that I live in is you guys live in a constant revolving door. The city changes at a pace that, you know, our rigid conservative valley just doesn't move at, you know. Change is not something we take kindly to in our parts, you know? So you guys got this incredible revolving door. So you live in this incredible state of uh, change, which can be uh, thrilling and then exhausting at the same time. The thing moves uh, quickly. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples at a real pivot point. And it's so interesting uh, what he says to them at this kind of last board meeting. You know, uh, some of you who grew up in the church or maybe are familiar with the scriptures, you know that it's common that the words of Jesus be in red. 
Um, but these words are not only read, they're just moments before he goes to the cross. So I like to call these words dead read. These are like, these, this is his deathbed speech right here. These are weighty, weighty words. This is dead red stuff here, he says. He says, I am the true vine. Now picture, this is the last board meeting. The company's being handed off. They're probably around a big table. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may com be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I'm sure you don't have to be some sort of Bible teacher to pick up on the main theme, like the drum that Jesus is beating over and over again. And in this transition, he is saying, stay vitally connected to me. If you've got an NIV Bible, it's the word remain. It shows up over and over again. If you've got an ESV, it's abide. But it's, it's really clear. Jesus is hitting one note over and over again in this massive transition with everything that you know shifting. Remain in me. Remain in my love. Stay vitally connected to me and you'll have everything you need. And if I were the disciples, I'd have a ton of questions about how. Like, how are we going to do this? Up to this point, we've just been following you. You're departing. Uh, we're left without a fearless leader. And he's saying, no, 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 through the Spirit of God, you can remain connected to me even as I go. And I think if I was a part of this last board meeting, I would be super frustrated. I would. I'd be like, what does that mean? How will I do that? What will we do about this, that, and the other? I mean, if you think about it, Thomas is in the room here. We know that Thomas found his way to India proclaiming the gospel. You know, and Jesus could have said, hey, Thomas, when you get to India, you're going to see some things. Like, that's what I would have wanted, you know? Like, when you, you're going to see an elephant for the first time in your life. And uh, you're going to come, you know, it's, you're going to drink chai for the first time in your life. It's going to blow your mind. I mean, I just would have been thirsty for, like, how are we going to do this? Like, how will this happen, you know? And then this mystic kind of call to remain connected to a man who's disappearing. 
is all they get. You know, where's the how in all of this? And I think I just want to say over you guys, stay vitally connected to him. Remain in him. And you'll have everything you need. And I know what bubbles up is like, how's that going to work? And I got this, that, and the other in front of me. And I'm not sure how to. And I just feel like the Spirit of God is saying over you, remain vitally connected to Jesus. Remain in him. And there's a few things that you'll need that Jesus, I think, outlines here in order to remain in him. Because if you've ever tried to remain in his love, it's not exactly as easy as it sounds. We are, as the old hymn says, prone to wander. And we don't exactly just float downstream into remaining in his love. There's a fair amount of effort that goes into staying vitally connected to anyone. To anyone. Think about it. Friendships. I mean, my own kids. We get so busy doing things at home, and I'm like, I haven't had any quality time or connection with my own children. I've told them repeatedly to deal with that bathroom. We have five girls, and I thought boys were the gross ones. <laughs> and like that, that bathroom's like a, it's like a sorority house up there. It's nasty. And I'm like, you got to clean this up. You guys are nasty. That's that's kind of like what I say often. Oh, okay. So. I love that, I think this is such good news. Um, I think this is the good news of the gospel right here because those disciples won't remain in one spot. They won't even remain together as a posse. They won't remain in the same jobs. They won't probably remain in health. Uh, They won't, um, (laughs) you know, Many of them were martyred. They wouldn't even remain breathing, you know. But the good news that Jesus was saying is that you might not remain in your job. You might not remain in that house. You might not remain in health. That's life. But you can. It is possible to remain in his love, even, even if things don't remain the same. And I think that's really encouraging because in life, nothing remains the same. We long for a permanence that's just not possible in this life. But Jesus is saying it is possible to have me even when you don't have the security that you desire. So um, in order to uh, remain in a connection with Jesus, it would make sense that you would first have to establish a connection with Jesus. Yeah, that makes sense. To remain in his love mean that in some way, shape, or form, you possess that thing and can hold it. So if you've never grabbed hold of the love of God for your life, and it's just been a concept, but not a felt reality for you, it's very important if you're going to remain in his love to first know that you're loved, right? And Jesus makes that super clear here. In verse 9, he says, As the Father have loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love as he has remained in the father's love. So he's essentially saying you're going to to remain in my love. You're going to have to over and over remind yourself that you're loved. And I know this is like elementary and maybe we've heard it before. And I know I heard it as a kid and it went something like this. Jesus loves me. This I know. 
I gotta be honest with you. I live most days out of touch with that. Like, it's still something that I'm fighting to grasp. It's still something that I wanna know in a deeper way. Again, what we really believe can lie buried under a bunch of things we've learned to parrot. Jesus loves me. Oh yeah, Jesus loves me. And I find that I love this about it because Jesus is saying here, like, you didn't beat me to it. You didn't initiate this relationship. I chose you. I've loved you. Now remain in my love. You're never asked to remain in how you feel about God, which is such good news. And you're never asked to remain in how you feel God feels about you. That's never what you're at. You're asked to remain in his love and to return to it over and over again. And the love of God has to go from being a thing about you to the truest thing about you, is that you're loved. And that is an interesting journey. The truest thing about you is the thing that lies under your, under your butt. And when I talk to people about the love of Jesus, they always say something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus loves me. I know. But I'm a mess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus loves me. I know. I know. I've heard it before. I saw the shirt. But I'm anxious and I'm depressed. Yeah, 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 Trav. Jesus loves me. I know, I know, I know. But I'm a mess. There's something wrong with me. Like, I can't get it together. Jesus loves me, I know. But I can't get it together. And Christians are those who don't ignore or deny that they're anxious or depressed. That's not Christianity. Close your eyes and ears. But a Christian is one who says, I'm anxious and I'm depressed, but Jesus loves me. And that is a profound shift. That changes everything. Because then that thing that is the bedrock begins to uproot what's above it, if that makes any sense. I'm a mess, like something's wrong, deeply wrong with me. But I'm chosen in him. Like he, he was like, I'm gonna pick a team. And he was like, Trav, you know? And that works its way into the deepest place of our lives and it starts to displace this idea that there's something fatally flawed with me. And you start to begin to believe like, I'm wanted, I'm loved, he desires me, he sings over me. I mean, it's like, whoa, really? <laughs> and the whole game changes when we really believe that we're loved. Is there any, would you, do you think that that's true, Tiffany, or is there anything you would add to that? Super on the spot. You're like, no, I don't, I don't buy that. <laughs> so, 
It'll have to be not just a thing about you. Well, one thing you need to know about me is that I'm loved by God. And I work in sales, and I live in this neighborhood of San Francisco. No, it has to become the truest thing about you. Remain in that. Yeah. Okay, the second thing that you're going to need in order to remain in his love is you're going to need to obey him. You guys have done the like five love languages thing. You've heard of this before? Well, it's like there's like a sixth and God is like obedience. That's his love language. Like, and as a dad with five daughters, I'm like, I get that. Like, and if I had this many billion kids, I'd be like, my love language would be obedience. (laughs) Having a billion, billions of kids is, is hard. His job's hard. Okay, so he says, hey, as the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. It's a wild concept to think that Jesus, the revolutionary, brought a revolution through perfect submission. He only did what the Father asked him to do. We t- tend to think of him like, oh, he's just doing his own thing. No, he's, he's in perfect submission to the Father's commands, and he revolutionized the world through it. Wild. So I hate this part about relation or uh, Christianity And I think I've probably done it because I was a youth pastor before I was a pastor. I hate it when when people get up and say things like, it's not about rules, it's about relationship. I hate that uh, because that's a false dichotomy. And go ahead and break the rules and watch what happens to your relationships. Go ahead and break God's commands. I'm just going to talk crap about Billy. Every time after this service, I'm going to be like, what Billy said wasn't true. We're not that close, and uh, I don't even know if he likes me anymore. And <laughs> you know, you break the rules. Gossip about your friends and about people at the workplace, and watch what happens to your relationships. Break the rules and be unfaithful. Watch what happens. So it's rules for the sake of relationship. Like when we keep these commands our relationships thrive. So it's rules for the sake of relationship, not one or the other. And I think I get what people are trying to say when they say that. It's just false. And I've seen it. One of the things about obedience that's so interesting with my kids is that they always want understanding before obedience, which is, you know, led to the the you know, thousands of times I've been asked why, you know, and it's like, because I said, I said that, and that's why, you know, would you trust me? And I think it's really tough about the kingdom of God is that you're asked to obey even when you don't understand. So we give, even when we don't totally understand how the month's going to pencil out. And we trust him. The way that I long for my kids to trust me when I say, do this, trust me. And so as we walk in obedience and obey his commands, we're going to have to trust him before we fully understand those outcomes, you know? 
I think one last point on obedience, and then you should share something. One last point on obedience um, would be, I think we have this, we've got it framed like, oh, it's so hard. Like obedience is so hard. And I'm like, no, you know what's hard? Disobedience. <laughs> like that leads to a hard life, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, discipleship to Jesus, it's the narrow path, it's so hard. Undiscipleship is way worse. I, I do know that. In the areas of my life where I've lived in disobedience, initially pretty easy to do my own thing eventually brutal to have done my own thing um yeah i I think these final instructions from jesus are they're so simple you can almost miss it they're so simple but they're so profound like know in your guts i love you Keep yourself in the love of God. Like, stay in that place and obey me like I've obeyed the Father. It's like, okay, anyone can do that, right? Um, It's so profound, and it's like, that is really, that's all we need. Um, And I think, I I think obedience is like a bad word. (laughs) Like, if we showed up today and we're like, we're going to talk about obedience, (laughs) everyone would be like, <laughs> you know, um, I know my kids just love every time I say the word obey, you know, um, and just really actually wanting to see that word, like the way we relate to that word transformed in our hearts because obedience is life. Obedience is so fun. Like <laughs> obedience is the way to live in like peace and confidence with God and yeah. safety Right. in adventure, in right. the like let's see what God will do, like that is flourishing is an obedient life and I can remember when Remy was young and I was in that you know, I think I don't know, at that point maybe four kids under the age of seven and so you're just you're like, just your full time job is trying to get your kids to obey you <laughs> And Remy, Remy said to me one day, I, I can't wait till I'm an adult so that I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and it was adorable and it made me laugh. And then it kind of made me cry because it exposed immediately this place in my own heart as a mom at home with all of this intent, daily intensity and things going on, that there is a place in my own heart daily Maybe it, it wouldn't become audible, but definitely in, in the interior of my heart where I kind of yelled, like, I just want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. <laughs> like there was a fit going on in my own heart in that season yeah. because I wanted the freedom to do whatever I wanted to yeah. do and I didn't have it. And it was like with my, you know, four-year-old daughter um my heart was in the same place she's learning obedience i am still learning obedience you know and um and i remember thinking in that moment like oh dear jesus (laughs) like your entire childhood is training in obedience so that you get to the place where yes you're like 
independent and can walk in wisdom and know how to take care of yourself and be loving to others and all of these things. But it's also so that you have learned how to trust and respond to loving authority and follow well and depend. And I'm like, I've missed, I've missed the lesson, Lord, help me. And so I think seeing here um, that obedience is God's love language because, because love and experiencing the love of God um, causes trust to grow in our hearts and trust is required for obedience. Right. That's right. Obedience is a trust response to love. And that's even the season we're in right now with teenagers where you're out of those younger years and now everything's much more conversational and I have conversations with my teenagers where it's like, hey, today you're pushing against everything I'm saying. These are just, these are family things. These are teen things. This is stuff we do. Like, but I feel like you're contrary in your heart to being asked to do these things. Do you trust me? Do you know that I love you? Do you know that I'm for you? Do you know that I'm working for your good and the good of our whole family? If you know these things, then when I ask you for help, can you, can you, come along with me? Can you be a part of it? Can you say, sure, mom. <laughs> and, um, and I can feel the father's heart in this area. Like the times that my girls say, sure, mom. It's like, oh. <laughs> and it's not just because it feels easy yeah. or I'm, or I'm getting done what I am wanting to get done. It's because in my heart, I'm like, she trusts me. Yeah. She knows I love her. And she trusts me. Right. And I think that's why God loves obedience. It's not because it's easy on him and he's getting his way, which is what he really wants. It's because obedience is a show. It is, is the thing that exposes. I'm, I know you're good. I know I'm loved. I know that even when you ask me to do yeah. things I don't want to do, right. things that feel difficult to me, it's because you're out for my good and the good of our family. <laughs> yeah. And I can say yes to you always. And that's the invitation with obedience and why it's connected. I think why it's here and why it's so good. Thanks. So you're going to need to know you're loved to remain in his love. You're going to need to obey in order to remain in his love and stay in step with him. Uh, the other thing that you're going to need is joy. Like you're going to need joy to remain. It, Jesus says here, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And part of the problem with the word obedience is it's not connected to joy for us. The word holiness is kind of like, wow, what a drag, you know. So you're going to need to, this won't work if it's just under a sense of duty. There's going to be have to be a sense of delight. It's always astonishing to me to watch how quickly someone grows in something they, they enjoy how quickly they return to it. When you have nothing to think about, you think about those things that you 
are anticipating to have joy in. And it's so wild to watch. Yeah, it's so wild to watch how quickly someone grows in something they're finding joy in. And there has to be a sense of joy for us because it's so key to our growth and to change. In anticipation of joy sees us through the pain of transformation, right? You could, you know, you, you like, you can spend your summer and you could have like those, you could have like a goal weight and you could have those like jeans that you want to fit in and you're, you're like anticipating joy because you are able to do the things that you want to do and have the freedom you want to have. And it's that anticipation of joy that calls you through the pain of transformation. Is there any joy in your life with Jesus? Because it's a huge part of remaining in his love. And the last thing that you're going to need is love and obedience and a sense of joy. If you're going to remain in him, uh, you're going to need the knife. He starts the chapter by saying, I'm the true vine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. This is the case in every relationship, not just your relationship with Jesus. You better be actively cutting things out or else something will get choked out. Things tend to get overgrown. Uh, before you know it, I, I mean, Tiff and I just getting to spend 24 hours in this city, you know, it's just like, man, so much takes precedent and priority over our relationship with the responsibilities that we have. And if you're not actively pruning or allowing God to prune what's going on in life, embracing it, even good. This is what's wild about this passage. He says every good branch that hits the ground. And that's been the hard part. When he prunes something that's bad in your life, it's like, well, that makes sense. When a good branch that pairs good fruit hits the ground, you're like, what are you doing? Every time, we've only paid for it a couple times, but every time we've had someone come out and trim our trees, I mean, it's amazing because I'm like, I paid a couple thousand bucks for this, and this is a hack job. This is horrendous. Like, you cut this back in, and we love this tree. That's why we paid you to deal with it. And look at what you've done, you know? This is my same response when the father steps in to prune, not the bad, not the suckers that are coming up and stealing life, but these good, beautiful branches. When those hit the ground, again, it's an issue of trust. When we're pruned back, it is again an opportunity to draw on the source in ways that brings life uh, to the tree. And that's what happens uh, when we're pruned. And I, I, I say all this just because there's, there's just something, there's something going on here that I'm really excited about. Um, I've been connected to uh, the work here at Sanctuary since the start been connected to the Shahs for quite some time um, and connected to the leaders here. And I, I believe that this is a moment right now to remain in his love and bear fruit. 
And I believe this is a moment for us to know that we're loved, secured by his love, staying vitally connected to him, find joy in what we're doing uh, in this uh, season uh, together, and to trust him even when good stuff uh, hits the ground. And so I think this is personal. Probably, if I, if I handed the mic and we had an open mic, I'm sure if I asked you what's under your butt, some of you might have something to say there. Jesus loves me, this I know, but I have failed as a mom. That's the truest thing about me right now. And it needs to be displaced. I'm sure if I handed up in the mic, like some of you would be like, God's been telling me to go and I've been saying no in this area. Or Jesus has been saying come and I've been saying nope, not going to do it. You know how that goes, like some kids need to be told, hey, you need to go, you know, because they're clingers. Some of you are clingers, you know, and you're like, hey, come on, you got it, right, go. Some kids need to be told to come, like, because they're goers, you know, and you're like, get your buns back here, you know. And I know each one of us could probably say, yeah, that's true, man, there's an area in my life where God's been saying go, and I've ignored him, or come, and I've ignored him, you know. Is there a sense of joy in your relationship with him? And is there a trust as things get pruned uh, back? I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead a song. And as we uh, lead the song, I would love you to reflect on those things. Are you loved? Are you being obedient? Has the knife come? Because you're going to need it. And... We're going to take communion, which is this opportunity to remember that because Jesus was cut off into distance from the Father at the cross, we're only being cut back into greater fruitfulness. We'll never be cut off because of the way he was cut down, right? So that's what we remember when we remember his blood shed and his body broken, that we live with this great promise that even though nothing remains the same, we can remain in his uh, steadfast love. Father, come. Holy Spirit, come search our hearts and know us and see if there's anything that needs to shift around in us. May this uh, lot be no that they're loved by you. Continue to reveal yourself, Lord. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello at sanctuarysf.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father.